We meet today in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 to verse 13. We're now talking of the church as a mystery and we are looking at the explanation and the definition of that mystery. This is the final chapter in the doctrinal section of Ephesians. We have learned that the church is a body and that the church is a temple. Now we learn that the church is a mystery. Let me give a preliminary word about what it means when we say that the church is a mystery. A mystery is something that had not previously been revealed, but is currently made manifest. In this case, it is the church which was not revealed in the Old Testament, but is solely revealed in the New Testament. There are two extreme viewpoints taken in our day concerning the mystery of the church, and I must say that these viewpoints are a mystery to me. One extreme group ignores the clear-cut statement of Paul that the church is not a revelation of the Old Testament. They treat the church as a continuation of Israel. This is known as covenant theology. They appropriate all the promises that God made to Israel and apply them to the church. The other group places undue emphasis on Paul's statements. He made known to me the mystery and my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And they treat the mystery as the peculiar revelation to Paul. This is known as hyperdispensationalism. As a result, there has been the pernicious practice of shifting the beginning of the church to some date after Pentecost. On this sliding scale, several dates have been suggested, and one becomes unattainable, another is adopted. This claim to superior knowledge has ministered to spiritual pride. May I say that the church was not revealed in the Old Testament. When it was revealed, the revelation was not confined to the Apostle Paul. The church is not in the Old Testament. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit began forming the body of believers. That will continue until he takes the church out of this world. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption, the day we are taken out of the world and presented to Christ. So what is the explanation of the mystery? We read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Paul speaks of his present condition as a prisoner. He became a prisoner because he took the gospel to the Gentiles. Now the Gentiles are accorded new privileges, which he has enumerated in chapter 2. Those who were far off, those who were strangers without hope and without God are now brought in through Christ. Because of all that, Paul is going to pray for them. But before he gets to his prayer, he digresses to speak of the mystery. Then he picks up his thread of thought again in verse 14. Notice the connection actually in verse 1 and verse 14. Verse 1 would say, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, 
verse 14, bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, everything between verse 1 and verse 14 is actually a parenthesis or a digression. Before he comes to his prayer, he is going to talk about the mystery. He said, if indeed marks the beginning of the parenthesis, it is on the supposition that you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. And again, the word dispensation is an important word. It is a translation of oikonomia in the Greek, a term combining the word house and law. The basic meaning then is the household law. The word is used in the New Testament to describe an epoch in which God emphasizes a particular aspect of his purpose for the human family. Here consideration is provided for the dispensation of God's grace, the epoch in which we now live. Paul is speaking of the divine plan and arrangement by which God had called and sent him to the Gentiles. As compared to the other apostles, Paul's ministry was different and special. Galatians 2 verse 7 tells us, But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. The message was not different, but the ones to whom the message was to be given were different people in a different category. Paul went to the Gentiles and told them, You have been far off, and now you can be brought in through Christ. Peter went to his own people, the Jews, the Israelites, and said to them, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. Paul said to the Gentile Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, you and your household. Acts 16 verse 31. What we see here is that both Peter and Paul had the same message, although it was to two different groups of people. There is now a brand new thing taking place. It is a different economy or a different dispensation from what they had back there in the Old Testament. And when Paul had been a Pharisee and lived by the law, he never went out to preach to the Gentiles. He was under a different economy. Now Paul is under a new economy. He is a missionary to the Gentiles. This is the understanding of the word dispensation there. This doesn't mean that God's method of salvation has changed. No, no man was saved by keeping the law, but by bringing a bloody sacrifice, he saw that he had come short of the glory of God. That sacrifice actually pointed to Christ. Now Paul is going to talk about this new economy. What is it? Ephesians 3, verse 3 and verse 4. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Well, by revelation is the first word we need to deal with. That revelation began with Paul's conversion when Christ informed him that when he persecuted the church, he was actually persecuting Christ. 
And the Lord said, Paul, Paul, so, so, why are you persecuting me? You see, the church is the body of Christ. Paul learned that God was doing something new. A church had come into existence on the day of Pentecost. In New Testament terminology refers to a truth long hidden but eventually revealed to men by God at the appointed time. And most of the 27 occurrences of the word mystery in the New Testament, they actually refer to some aspect of the plan of salvation like the kingdom of God, like the hardening of Israel and the admission of the Gentiles. The equality of Gentiles and Jews is what we are seeing in this chapter. The gospel and its reception, the sweep of God's redemption, the resurrection, the central doctrines of faith, and Christ himself. You see, the term is also used of marriage as a symbol of Christ and the church in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32. It is also used of prophetic secrets of the men of sin and even of intended symbols of Revelation 1 verse 20, 10 verse 7, 17 verse 5 and verse 7. I want to repeat here that the mystery, the divine secret was something not revealed in the Old Testament and therefore unknown to men then. Now it is revealed in the New Testament. Where the word is used uh, in the 27 times in the New Testament, it refers to about 13 different mysteries as just highlighted. Paul's meaning of a mystery is the exact opposite of its use in the mystery religions in which esoteric teachings were communicated to an elite few who were enjoined never to divulge the secrets. Paul uses the term mystery ironically to herald the publication of the long hidden secrets of God to the entire world. Chief among these is the fact that God is now welcoming Gentiles into his kingdom and affirming them as having equal standing before him with Jewish believers in Christ. In contrast to this, Paul says, Woe to me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And we today are stewards of the mysteries of God. We are to give out the message. The gospel is not something to be kept in a secret bag. It is the good news that is to be shouted from the housetops. The mystery means that it was not revealed in the Old Testament. And since he didn't reveal it, it is here now. What is the definition of the mystery given in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 5? And I'm reading now Ephesians 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Paul certainly makes it very clear here that this was not revealed to him alone. He clarifies what he means by the mystery. There is a sharp contrast between the sons of men in past generations and the apostles and the prophets of the church. 
No one in the Old Testament had a glimmer of light relative to the church. It is now revealed to his holy apostles. They are holy because they have been set aside for this office by God. The prophets are definitely here referred to, and it is referring not to the Old Testament prophets, but to the New Testament prophets. The Holy Spirit of God is the teacher of this mystery. This is what the Lord Jesus promised when he told his disciples of the coming of the Holy Spirit. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take off mine and declare it to you. John 16 verse 15. What precisely is the mystery? It is not the fact that Gentiles would be saved. No, no, no. The Old Testament clearly taught that the Gentiles would be saved. Isaiah 11 verse 10 tells us, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Zechariah 2 verse 11, Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people, and I will dwell in your midst. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. You see, if the mystery is not that the Gentiles would be saved, what is the mystery therefore? Mark it carefully. The mystery was that the Gentiles and Israel were placed on the same basis. By faith in Christ, they were both brought into a new body, which is the church. Christ is the head of that new body. Therefore, now there is a threefold division in the human race. All people were Gentiles from Adam to Abraham for about over 2,000 years. All people were either Jews or Gentiles from Abraham to Christ over 2,000 years. Then the threefold division is Jews, Gentiles, and the church that is now from the day of Pentecost to the rapture. That is also 2,000 years plus. Paul referred to this threefold division when he said, Give no offense to either the Jews or the Greeks or to the church. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 32. Paul included the human family, the whole human family when he spoke these words. The church is not in the Old Testament de facto. Although there are types of it in the Old Testament, Christ said, Upon this rock I will build my church. Matthew 16 verse 18. Anyone who has known the simple rules of grammar is to say, when he spoke that it was the future, he said, I will build my church. The church began on the day of Pentecost, after Christ had returned to heaven. To say that the church began beyond the day of Pentecost makes the church a Jewish church and a gender church coexisting. No, that is not the church. It is true that the church was all Jewish when it began, but there was a period of transition when Gentiles were brought into it. The church is one body, made up of both Jew and Gentile, and Christ is the head of that body. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7 Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me 
by the effective working of his power. Paul assumed no place of superiority in the knowledge of the mystery by virtue of the fact that he was the apostle to the Gentiles. No, he takes only the little title of diaconos, which can actually be translated deacon or minister. It means a worker, a helper, a deacon. It was the gift of God's grace which had transformed him from Saul, the proud Pharisee who persecuted the church, to Paul, the apostle, who is now a prisoner for Jesus Christ. He had been taken out of one group and put into another group. He is now a member of the body of Christ. All that had been accomplished was through the working of the power of the Spirit of God. Paul had both the gift and the power of the apostle. Ephesians 3 verse 8 and verse 9 say, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. My friend, we are living today in the economy or the dispensation or the mystery of the church, the gospel of grace, which from the ages past has been hid in God, who created all things. There are a lot of things God has not told us, actually. Really, God hasn't told us very much. It's amazing to think how little he has told us. For example, he never told anybody about the little atom. Nor did he tell anybody that there were diamonds deep in the earth. He has kept a lot of things to himself. Yet at the same time, he allows men to make discoveries. But there are some things men can never find out except by revelation. The church was a mystery in that sense. And people would only know it by revelation. In verse 8, Paul calls himself less than the least of all saints. It is a comparative superlative. Paul always took the place of humility as an apostle. First Corinthians 15 verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 and 13, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly, in unbelief. You see, a mighty revolution took place in Paul's life. He was chosen to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. How wonderful it is. And that was to make all see the mystery is not to be argued or debated, but is to be preached to make all see. And Paul was to make all men see the economy, the dispensation of the mystery that now Jews and Gentiles have been put on the same footing as they come before God in the church. Ephesians 3 verse 10 and verse 11. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known, 
by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now another purpose for the mystery is revealed here. God's created intelligences are learning something of the wisdom of God through the church. They not only see the love of God displayed and lavished upon us, but the wisdom of God is revealed even to the angels, to the principalities and powers, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Ephesians 3 verse 12. We, the Gentiles, and Paul the persecutor, have freedom of speech before God and have an access or introduction to him. This is all made possible in Christ. That is the mystery that has become known. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Ephesians 3, verse 13. Paul says, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Because of the great goals of the mystery which Paul has enumerated, he is willing to suffer imprisonment as the apostle to the Gentiles. He is willing. He didn't want the Ephesians to be discouraged because the imprisonment of Paul was working for his good and their glory. Colossians 1 verse 24 tells us, I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. How glorious, how encouraging to understand the mystery of God. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.